Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel. I'm your host of the show where I get to speak with Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. And it is so much fun, guys. I love it. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Listening to some of these athletes, all of them, everyone's story is incredible. So I hope you guys do have the opportunity to check them all out. But today, another amazing person. We have Paris Hankin. She competed in the 2016 games in Rio. Uh, she is from USA Sailing. Super cool girl. She does a lot of interesting things. She's been sailing her entire life. How she got into it was pretty cool. She's had some different ups and downs along the way, but at the same time, I got to learn all about sailing. Didn't really know what I was getting into. Still don't really understand it fully, but I'm sure um, if I listen to the episode a couple more times, I'll really get a good understanding. But Paris is super cool. She's very open and honest, just like every other athlete on here pretty much. And she's just really been able to give us a good look at what it's like being an Olympian, being a female Olympian, being a, a sailor, the whole nine, and um, really just giving us an understanding of really the costs that go into it too. Thought that was a very interesting part of the conversation. So other than that, guys, um, super happy you're here, super happy you're still listening. And other than that, hope you have a wonderful episode. Today, very special guest, Olympic athlete Paris Hankin. She's of USA Sailing. She sails the 49er FX, and don't worry, she will explain all that to us in the future, I promise. She was born December 22nd, 1995, almost a Christmas baby, so you probably get that double whammy present every <laughs> once in a while, which is a little disappointing, but I guess it could be worse. Um, she was born in Sonora, California. She began sailing at the age of six. Um, I think that's incredible, because every time I go on a boat, I just I get seasick, so I don't know. You've been able to do it since a young age. You keep rocking and rolling. 2011, she won the U.S. Youth Championship, and she was – all right, here we go. In 2013, she won the award for the San Diego Yacht Club Jessup Girls Day Trophy for Outstanding Female Sailor of the Year. What that says to me is she's pretty un unbelievable and incredible at what she does. Um, she won the bronze at the 2015 Pan Am Games. Um, Paris went, as I said, to the 26 teams, uh, 2016 uh, games that was in Rio Yep, um, with uh, her partner, Helena Scutt. And today she currently races with Anna Tobias. Paris. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. No, no problem. This is incredible. I'm, I'm super lucky I get to talk to Olympic athletes on what seems like a daily basis now. So I'm having an absolute, excuse me, an absolute blast with it. But as I said, that's a very small little intro. It's very synopsized. Um, so if you don't mind kind of elaborating on some of this stuff for us, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so like you said, I've been sailing since I was six and, um, I originally grew up in San Clemente, California, and I have two brothers. I have a twin brother and an older brother, and my oldest brother kind of got into sailing in, in a summer program, and um, being a twin, my parents kind of just pushed us along, whatever he did, and um, so we started sailing in a summer program down in Dana Point, and um, also did lots of other sports, but sailing kind of just took over, and so we eventually moved to San Diego, where they had a better sailing program, and um, so I've grown up in Coronado, California since fifth grade and um, was just sailing all the time. And we sailed the, a boat called the Sabbat, which is only raced in Southern California. Most people grow up sailing the Opti, but um, they don't have them over here where I live. So we, we, um, we started in the Sabbat and it was, it was really great learning experiences just as a little kid, just because it's a lot of equipment that you have to take care of and lots of discipline at an early age so it was, it was great to get into the sport and um, it's also really different um, many people don't sail so to say that you're a competitive sailor is pretty cool um, and then once 
you kind of stop sailing sabots when you're reaching um, 16, 17. And usually people go on to sail dinghies, which are, they're at 420. So it's, it's um, you grew up sailing one person boat, just you, and then you start transitioning into sailing with someone else. And I decided to take a different route. My oldest brother started sailing the boat called the 29er. It's um, a bit more high, it's faster, um, it's easy to tip over, and um, it's just there's a lot more going on, you can say, with the boat. And because my brother got into it, I really wanted to get into it as well. So I started sailing the faster boat, the 29er, when I was 12. And that's when I teamed up with um, a guy. His name is Connor Kelter, and we did that for a while. And that's when we won the 2011 Youth World or Youth um, Championships in Newport, Rhode Island. And um, so from there, we sailed the 29er for four years or so. And then when I was getting into high school, that's when they started to develop a woman's skiff for the Olympics. And um, 2016 was the first year the 49er FX was in the games. So before that in high school, they, when I was in high school, they were developing different types of boats and they had to go through like a jury system to pick which one was going to be it. And they ended up picking the FX. And so when I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, I kind of just got into the FX because it's um, the 29er, which I raced when I was in, like when I was in my teen years was basically like a training boat to the FX. And they're very similar in a way and very different, but um, the whole, the foundation of the 29er is what you need for the FX. So it's kind of just like a good stepping stone. And I got into it. And from there, it was just knew I wanted to go to the Olympics. Look at that. And you're in the, that's really cool. You're in the inaugural games for, um, is it, was it your specific discipline? That was the first game? Yeah, games? it was my okay. fleet. Yeah. That is super impressive. So congratulations. Thank you for being, uh, you know, representing our country in one of the no first worries. times possible. So, you know, we, we sincerely appreciate it. That's incredible. So there was um, a couple things during your story that, that are pretty incredible. So you have a twin brother, you have an older brother, and that's kind of how you got into sailing. Yeah. What, what do your brothers do now? I mean, like, what, what are they up to? Are they trying to competitively sail? Um, like I guess their little sister or uh, twin yeah. sister, um, you know, so what are they doing and how have they kind of taken you becoming a, you know, a, a sailing star in stride? Yeah. Um, my oldest brother Hans um, has always wanted to go to the Olympics as well. And I definitely just followed in his footsteps. And um, so there's the 49er FX, which is the female version. And then there's the 49er, which is the men's version. And, they're basically the same boat, but the FX for the women just have a smaller mast and smaller sails. So like we don't, we technically go a little slower, but it's all basically the same. Um, and so Hans right now is also campaigning for 2020 in the 49er. He camp tried to campaign in the 49er for 2016, but just was a little late um, getting started. So it was a little harder, but, but um, now he's, he's full on for 2020 as well. Um, and then my twin brother just graduated from UCSB in Santa Barbara, and he um, actually just got his captain's license. And so he he competitively sails as well, and he's more into the whole big boat thing and offshore racing, but um, nothing Olympic style. 
And you guys, so all of you guys are just constantly on the water. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Good for that. That's that's a that's an easy family vacation. I can say that one right there. That's an easy one. Um, I also think it's incredible. Your parents, at a relatively young age for you, they, I guess, they saw something in you and and your brothers and decide. You know, what was what was that like? Like the family dynamic of understanding, like, hey, we have three kids with the potential to do something pretty incredible. I mean, how far away is San Diego from where you grew up? I don't know if that's like a 15-minute drive or if that's like a, hey, we're uprooting our family to, you know, give our kids the opportunity to do something. Yeah, so San Clemente is an hour north of um, San Diego. And, um, I mean, that was definitely – that's definitely a – my parents probably could have explained that a little more because as a kid, when you're growing Mm -hmm. up with a sport, it can get so frustrating and you just don't really think you have much potential. But – I mean, I just always enjoyed it, and I think I enjoyed whatever my brothers enjoyed. And so once we just got really into it, there was no stopping. We also ski ski raced for a while. So in the wintertime, we would ski race, and then in the summertime, we would sail. And then eventually, we got to the point where we had to pick which one we wanted to do. And if we wanted to ski, we had to move to the mountains. And if we wanted to sail, we moved, I guess, to San Diego. So we picked sailing. So... (laughs) I'm happy for you. I'm I'm more of a summertime guy and I'm yeah. trying to convince my girlfriend to move to San Diego because I hear it's like sunny and 75 every day. Is that <laughs> yeah. kind of true? Yeah. See, I don't I don't understand why I live in New Jersey. It's it perplexes me, but it is what it is. And hey, we'll try and make the best of it, I guess. So that is incredible, super amazing story. Um, you also threw out some terminology. Um yeah. I heard dinghy, I heard sabbat. Uh, there was another another boat that started with an O. What are like, what are some of the differences between these boats? Is it, is it mostly size? Um, because obviously, as you said, you start out younger doing one than the other. What, what are some of the, like, I guess, characteristics of these boats that a person like myself could understand? Um, yeah, so a Sabbat and an Opti are very similar. It's, it's a pretty small boat, and it's definitely what you grow up doing when you're a little kid. It's um, more basic and more stable in a way and it just it's an easy boat to learn the basics in and then once people decide to get into racing you can race the sabbat and you usually race the sabbat when you turn like 10 or 11 and then once you either get too heavy for the boat or you just get too old um, you switch into some more bigger boats so like I said you start sailing with someone else or you can sail you can still sail by yourself in other discipline of boats and um, it all depends on what you want to do. But um, yeah, the dinghy is a two person boat. They sail dinghies in college sailing. So sometimes kids will get into the dinghy because they know they want to do some college sailing. Um, it's just um, maybe you start to develop more of a racing background when you start jumping into these um other boats and yeah it's kind of hard to explain without pictures and Mm -hmm. um i'll add some pictures in the show notes and hopefully people will be able to understand it from there i'll throw some google links in that's pretty yeah um so that that's pretty great so um i guess here's a question that i mean i know nothing about sailing like i actually had a friend when i was growing up he sailed from here to England like Mm -hmm. when we were in like sixth grade he did it by himself or something which I thought was incredible why are you sending it like a 12 year old to do that but apparently that happened so hey whatever yeah like so that's all I knew about sailing was what my one friend Scott was telling me about it and when I was super young so how like what are some of the things sailors have to work on I guess 
to get better at sailing. Cause again, being super ignorant to the sport, it's like, well, there's wind and you just have to capture the wind, right? Like yeah. that's essentially all I know, but obviously there is so much more to it. So what are some of the things that you guys work on to increase your craft and just get better at sailing? Yeah. So sailing to people can be really complicated. So sometimes it's really hard to explain what we do, but um, there's so many different types of sailing. And for example, there's that Volvo ocean race that it's like this worldwide sail race where people just sail from place to place throughout the whole world. And that's just like something completely different from what we do. But during the Olympics, our races are about a mile long and we um, basically have to round the, there's a start line and the starts five minutes. And after the start, you have to go upwind to a windward mark round the windward mark, go downwind to leeward mark. And usually there's two laps, but you can do more than two laps, but usually our, our races are about two laps. And um, so during practice, basically you're practicing to race. So there's so many different components. You can, you can work on boat handling. So that means um, working on your tacking and jiving, which you move the boat um, from one tack to another. I know this is hard to explain, <laughs> but it's like... You can't use um, the word in the definition, Paris. I know, I know. <laughs> um, just like moving the boat across the wind in different directions. So you're going like, let's say you're going left to right or right to left. It's tacking and jiving. So you have to work on um, your footsteps across the boat and um, how you maneuver the boat. And um, as well, you have to work on boat speed. So trying to get the boat up to speed quickly, um, trying to keep it up to speed as as much as you can and then there's tactics and strategy which is basically where you want to go on the race course comparison to other boats where do you want to go come like you make a plan based off of the wind that you see on the water and if there's more wind on the right then you're like okay I want to go right but then sometimes you don't get to the right because other boats are in the way or vice versa so it's mm -hmm. a little complicated but um, yeah basically try to do my best but <laughs> and we appreciate it and keep doing your thing because you're clearly way better at it than i mean from from what i've seen and from from obviously some of the things that i talked about you're clearly way better at it than a lot of people in the world so we really appreciate it and it's pretty incredible um i just think it's like like the the, the it's so difficult to understand from my point of view because like i've driven a car before like yeah. right but i can't race like I know there's other people that are better at racing and I don't know exactly what they do and and it's it's it sounds like obviously there's more environmental um tactics and strategies as you were saying like obviously if there's more wind over here hey let's go to the more wind over yeah. there it's yeah. just very confusing from from someone that doesn't really understand the sport it's like well all the boats are the same size not like you know there's there's no pushing a pedal down and driving faster. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's, it's very interesting to hear someone who's been doing it for so long, talk about it um, and just be able to kind of, you know, obviously the, the environmental aspect is pretty important, but as you said, footsteps across the boat, that's not something I would think about. Yeah. Um, so it's just very interesting and, and to, to hear you talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah. what, what exactly, so I've seen pictures where you guys are like hanging off the boat. Yeah. Right? You're kind of like, so that's where the footsteps come in, I guess, when you go one yeah. side to the other, how, like how long do you have to sit like that for, for an average like day? I mean, your legs must get ridiculously tired. So I'm assuming you have to go to the gym a lot, a lot of endurance involved. How does that work? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So everyone always asks what you target, like what targeted muscles you use for sailing. And it's basically your whole body. Um, we trapeze, which is what you're saying. We hang off the side of the boat 
um, we have this trapeze harness that we have to wear and then there's a hook on the trapeze harness and then on our boat there's this thing called a bail which is basically just a metal circle and the hook we just hook in with that and extend out um, and I mean because I've been doing it for so long it you just kind of get used to it and it's muscle memory and or you try and make it muscle memory but it, it does get um, a bit tiring and it, I think like the most tiring part about it is like your neck because like you're when you sail like usually people just like sit down or you know, hike out but like we trap and our heads are like always sideways so like we kind of like look at the world like yeah so I think my neck gets most tired when when doing that but um yeah that yeah that sounds incredible it almost sounds like you guys are in a constant position so I've gone rock climbing before and like yeah. when you're coming down it's like you're always in that constant position of pushing out right like you're kind of just yeah always holding against like the the boat and your your legs are extended i'm assuming they're not locked but you know you're just always kind of doing that and that just sounds like man your core must be ridiculous <laughs> that just sounds awful it does not sound like anything i'm capable of doing and again we appreciate what you do and we'll keep letting you do it um so what are some of the other like what drove you to that specific discipline why why did you want to go to this one especially because it wasn't in the olympics already unless yeah. you kind of heard some rumblings but why why that one over some of the others um, like I said, I grew up selling the 29er, which is basically like a small version okay. of the 49er. Um, and it was kind of just like I was at the right place at the right time where I had finished 29er sailing and I already had a, a like a lot of the foundation down and I knew I wanted to, to do something more with it. And so they developed a 49er FX and just got right into it because I had already done so much training in this training boat before. So. That makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I forgot forgot that portion of it, but that totally makes sense. So why is, I, I guess, you know, we'll, 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 we'll go a little touch and go with this one, but why, why did they need to make a new boat, like a different boat for females and have to go through that whole process of judging it? Because as you said, it's like really not that different. Did they just make it smaller to make it smaller or is, there, is it something specific or did they just? Um, I mean, I don't know the whole details mm -hmm. about it, but I know that they wanted to um, expand the, the whole concept of sailing. And, um, a lot of our sport is dominated by men, unfortunately. And so they wanted more women to get involved. And, um, because there was the 49er and women could race that, those boats, but it was such a demanding boat that you had to be really big and strong in order to do that. So I, they made a bit of a smaller version that, that, um, women could sail. And, um, I, I think it's great. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, the more inclusion, the better. I'm all for it. I just wasn't sure if there was a specific reason. Um, obviously, again, I need to look at pictures of these boats to kind of, yeah. I guess, really encapsulate how big we're talking about. But no, that that completely makes sense. Um, it is pretty cool. So, so as we were talking about before, Paris, you were one of the first people. Um, you were one of the first people for this specific discipline to go to the Olympics as a female. Um, that's obviously extremely incredible. You and your partner, um, Helena. I mean, that you know, tell us about that. Like, making what what's qualifying look like how did you make the games what were some of the emotions that you know you were were washed over you tell us a little bit about that experience yeah um for sailing in order to qualify for the games you have to first qualify your country so like there's people all over the world that sailed the boat that i sail and and um there's only 20 countries that get to go to the games and like i said we're a developing class so sometimes there aren't 20 countries but now now it's pretty big so um so there's 20 countries that can go 20 boats that compete 
Um, you have to qualify your country. So I, I believe last time there was three chances to qualify your country. And that was like, for example, there is a world championships in Argentina in November and you had to go and be top eight nations in order to qualify your country. So you could get 13th, but if like two Danish boats, for example, beat you, that would only count as one. Mm -hmm. So you just had to be top eight. And um, so, and then if you didn't qualify your country during the, the first two tries, that the last try was basically a North American qualifier and what other, what, whatever North American boat was first, so that it could be USA, Canada, or the Virgin Islands, um, whatever North American boat came first, then they would go to the game. So Helen and I won the North American qualifier, um, but that didn't mean that we went. That just meant that the USA was qualified for the games. And then after that, we had our own Olympic trials against other American teams. Um, that consisted of two events. And then whoever did best in the two events combined basically went. So we found out we went to the game, like we found out we qualified for the games in February, 2016. So like we literally found out a couple months before the games actually started. So that was kind of stressful just because we've, we trained for um, like a two, almost two years and you just don't know up until a couple months before the games that you actually are going. So it was a lot of sacrifice and commitment, but um, obviously I'm so happy that I did it. And um, when we won, it was just like, it was just so relieving in a way because all of the time that we spent training meant that we're actually going. And um, I, yeah, we were just so happy. Yeah, I mean, I I'd hope I'd hope elated, happy. I mean, those those are just some of the the things I'm sure you went through, and and you had to put a lot of faith in that too. Like, it's as you said, like you weren't really you weren't going to find out till relatively late in the yeah. late in the game. So you thought, okay, well, two years down the road, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll be yeah. able to to do what we did, and obviously you did. So it's incredible. But man, those first eighteen months, it sounds like it was uh, a little yeah. little uh, it was stressful. It was definitely a sacrifice because I was just, I just had graduated high school. So I was like trying to do the whole college thing and like be a normal college kid and just, you know, experience that. But um, I did one semester of college and then decided to just stop and full-time train. So it was like spent two years training. So I, so I, we were really happy that we actually got to go. That is super cool. And I mean, like that is it's, it's unbelievable. And, and so with what I've been finding with a lot of these sports is sailing a lot bigger in other places around the world. So like Europe, or like, yeah. is it, so, so it is. So, um, what's it like when you're at the Olympics, you know, you go through the opening ceremonies. I'm sure that was just absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's just nothing I'll be able to ever experience. So I love living vicariously through you guys, but what, like, what was it like knowing like finally people were going to be able to watch you, not only be able to watch you, but like thirsty to watch you, you know, your friends, your family, people around the world, obviously. What was it like finally knowing like, Hey, you can, you can watch me easily. Just turn on channel, whatever NBC is near you. Like, like yeah. what, what was that like knowing that you finally had some eyes on you and you're able to shut your stuff a little bit? Um, I mean, that it was great. Um, I know that a lot of my family and friends do watch my other races because mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's, it's televised through Facebook live and whatever, oh, cool. okay. but, um, I mean, it was great to see that some people got into the sport through, um, watching it in the games because a lot, a lot of the people that I meet will be like, Oh, I didn't know sailing was in, in the Olympics. And it's kind of like, yeah, it is. And, and you can watch it here. And, um, mm -hmm. 
So yeah, it, it was, it was pretty cool to be able to be on national TV because you're not always on national TV all the time. So Mm -hmm. that was pretty fun. Oh my gosh. I mean, I remember, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I specifically watched your race, but I watched sailing. Like I, I try and watch every single sport because yeah. I just think it's super cool. Like I love watching curling once every four years. I'm the biggest curling fan, archery. Yeah. I would never be able, I literally can't do any of the things that any of our athletes do. And that's again, one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing this, but sailing is just super cool. And just like, you know, I love the ocean. I don't really like being in it, but I love being near it. So it's always something for me that I, I truly enjoy. So that is, uh, that is just super cool. And yeah, it's just, just knowing that that's awesome that your family and friends do try and watch as many of your races as possible. Cause I've talked to some other athletes and they're like, yeah, my friends that have known me for 15 years, they finally watched me the first time in the Olympics because a lot of these sports are so, I mean, yeah. obviously not televised here. Yeah. I mean, my most immediate friends are basically all sailors. Oh, that's a good so point. That's a good they, point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, people from high school who like want to reach out and whatever will think it's really cool and stuff like that yeah i mean i think it's incredible and i I hope you i hope you i'm sure you do as well it was just super cool um so you know as we were saying 2016 you were racing with um helena and you've recently changed teams or got a new partner i don't know exactly the the sailing terminology about (laughs) it but what um what went into either changing teams getting a new partner how did that happen and and i guess why did that happen yeah um, so after 2016, um, obviously it's always the question like, are you going to do it again or are you going to stop? And I knew I wanted to go back to school because I had only done one semester of college and um, I knew I wanted to go back to school. And Helena had already graduated from Stanford with her under degree or yeah, undergraduate degree. And then I knew she wanted to get her master's. So Um, it only took her a short time to get a master's and I still had like four years of college. So she wanted to commit right away to another campaign and I did not just because I wanted to go back to school. So we're totally, we're really, really still very close and it was no hard feelings at all. So she switched to another class of boat called the NACRA, which, um, you have to sail with another guy. So the guy that went to 2016 for the NACRA also switched crew and asked Helena to be his crew. And so they teamed up and then I went back to school and sort of didn't know what I was going to do with my sailing career. But then I got to team up with Anna. So it all kind of worked out. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're, we're happy to hear it. Um, and I don't know if I even mentioned it before you go to the uh, child. Oh, that, that is a mouthful. College of Charleston out in South yeah. Carolina. You were telling me their sailing program out there is pretty incredible. So what has that been able to do while being in school and still being able to kind of do what you love? How has that been yeah. able to help you kind of either rekindle the fire or, or just keep that flame burning real bright? Yeah. So I went to College of Charleston specifically because of sailing. Um, these I've been part of the sailing program now for the past two years, and we actually have won the trophy that we are titled the best college team in the nation right now. And so um, we practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every week we have workouts Tuesday, Thursday. So I kind of like the whole scheduling and routine thing just because I was so used to it for the past year and a half. My whole life was just like training. So it was great to just be able to get back into something like that and as well going to class. And um, you just – Obviously, in college, it's not the same boat that I do in the Olymp- in the Olympics. Like I said, we sailed dinghies in college, but all of the foundations and all of the um, 
the like tactics and strategies is very, very similar. And so I was, I was happy to be able to just stay in it. And, um, we get really good at what we do because of lots of practice. So, um, that was great. And I was excited to do it. And there's a lot of people, like a lot of sailors who are on the U S sailing team right now came from a college sailing background. There are some that have not, but there's a lot that have. And so it's kind of like, it's just a little step up and yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's so, so it's, it's interesting how you said before, you're like, well, I kind of want to go to college and be, you know, like a, a normal person. So I guess <laughs> this is kind of like the happy medium of you get to yeah. go to college, be a normal person, but at the same time, you're not just letting other, the last couple of years just fall by the wayside. You're still able to continue to train and work out, especially with a group of girls and guys, it sounds like who are some of the best in the country at something. So, you know, keeping the competition high, being able to work out with them and do things and, and pick brains, get ideas, still have elite coaching. That's always extremely important. So that, that is pretty cool. And I'm happy you and, and Helena are still, uh, still rocking and rolling as friends and, and she got to do what she needed to do. You got to do what you needed to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're crossing our fingers for both of you and maybe, um, well, all four of you will be able to make it to the Olympics this time. So it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty cool. And I guess, as you said, everything kind of just worked out the way it did. So, uh, I guess tell us a little bit about Anna, what you guys are doing. I mean, it sounds like you're out in South Carolina. Is she out there with you? Does she come out and train with you? How exactly does that whole process yeah. work? Um, so I'm from San Diego. She lives in Pittsburgh. Um, so it's a little bit of a, it's a huge, huge, um, distance basically. Yeah, but Pittsburgh's Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. There's a little, yeah, there's, there's some distance there. So after, um, Rio, my, my boat got containered back to Miami and, um, when this whole thing got set up with Anna, we did some test sailing and we went down to Miami together and basically just tried it out and, she kind of, she retired, um, back in, I think it was 2014 and she got into CrossFit and she's been going to the CrossFit games continuously. And she actually just went to the CrossFit games this past like couple weeks ago and she won the gold for her Whoa. master's division. So Heck she's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So not only does she has have a gold in, um, sailing for the games in 2008 now she has a gold in the crossfit game so she's an amazing athlete and so it's a huge privilege to be able to sail with her and so we teamed up and did some test sailing and did a did a regatta together in um january and that was what, kind of just what is a regatta just so it's like please. a sailing term for a tournament or event oh, cool oh very fancy i like that <laughs> yeah so sailors week we call it a regatta so we did a regatta in January and that was kind of like a test regatta to see if we wanted to do it together. And she really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed it and our personalities matched up. So we decided to go for it. And so we moved the boat to Charleston because like I said, I was still going to school at that time and she came out and came to Charleston when she could and we trained a bit here and there. Um, she owns a CrossFit gym with her husband in Pittsburgh. So she's a bit tied up in that. So um, and she also was training for the next CrossFit Games, which just ended. So now that that's over, um, we're going to try and get full on now and move the boat back to Miami and just start. I'll, I'll basically be living there full time and she'll probably fly um, back and forth just because she's still wrapped up with her gym and, and at home. So um, we'll just have this training schedule and go from there. 
full time in Miami. That doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would prefer prefer San Diego only because there's less humidity. But I mean, <laughs> you could pick way worse places to live. So that's pretty incredible. So that's really interesting that that it kind of worked out like that. You know, as we were saying before, it all you know everything kind of worked its way out, especially with you, your former partner, now you and your current partner. How often do you? during I guess the school year how often do you kind of switch back to your 49er FX boat and kind of just plow that out every once in a while just to kind of because I know you said they're similar but at the same time I'm sure the intricacies are a little different yeah um she came down on the weekends and um not every weekend but just the weekends that she could do it because I have for college then we practice Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and it's pretty important to, to actually go to practice and all of that so she would just come down on the weekends and um, we would train then. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I was just kind of curious about that. Um, so thank you so much for that as super, super interesting. And that's why I love doing this. This is too much fun. So one thing that I try and bring up in, in all of these interviews is getting people to understand the general public to understand that just because you're an Olympic athlete doesn't mean you make millions of dollars. I mm-hmm. think it should mean you that you make a million dollars, but unfortunately I don't run that kind of stuff. So, you know, it is what it is. And, um, so I know you and I spoke about this before and kind of how, expensive sailing is and some of the things that like I didn't even think about like one thing that you told me like you have to you can't just sail your boat everywhere you have to yeah it has to go you have to pay for it to go places so if you don't mind telling us just like some of the costs and you don't have to give us specific dollar amounts if you don't want but just some of the things that go into being an elite sailor I guess expense wise yeah um so like you said our, our sailing equipment is pretty expensive. And, um, for example, off the top of my head, I know like a full boat, a new boat would cost us about $30,000. And, um, on top of that, you need a couple masts because our masks can break. You need new sails, every regatta just to stay competitive. Um, so the, the 2020 games are in Tokyo, so that's pretty far away. And like I said, we can't sail our boat there, so we have to ship our boats in containers. So there's container costs and then living costs and gym membership costs. And so it's just kind of all adds up. And it's definitely really hard to fundraise as a sailor also because many people don't know much about the sport. Um, so I know Helen and I, we got a sponsor through Expedia that kind of helped us out, and we did a GoFundMe. and um, being part of the U S sailing team helps out, out a lot as well. But, um, for the most part, all fundraising, fundraising is done just solely depending on what we do. And so it's, it's quite hard and it can be basically the hardest part about a campaign and sometimes can get really frustrating because you want to go to all of these, all of these regattas and be up there with all of the, and be very competitive, but sometimes you just can't do it because you don't, you can't, don't have enough money. Yeah, that is, see, and that's, that's the thing that really, you know, you use the word, I'll use it again, frustrates me about it is, you know, your, your full-time job should be your sport, right? Like you shouldn't have to then worry about all the extra BS involved of trying to raise the money. Now I understand, obviously your sport is not the cheapest and you know, Hey, it is what it is. But at the same time, you'd think we are the richest country in the world or, you know, one of those. So um, (laughs) you'd hope that at some point there would be a way to kind of figure this out. And again, obviously, you know, money comes with eyeballs or eyeballs come with money kind of thing where the more people that are going to watch it, the more people, um, the, the more opportunity there is for you guys to make a lot of money. So hopefully that will be able to change over time and you guys will be able to do that. Um, you did say, you know, Expedia, that's a pretty, I guess, on the nose 
um, sponsor too. I mean, you're traveling around the world and heck I use Expedia when I want to go places. So yeah. that is a pretty cool one. But, um, uh, I know you guys do a lot of like fundraising dinners, if I'm not mistaken at certain yeah. clubs, like what, what do you guys try and do there? What do you try and get out of them? Obviously, you know, dollar wise, but like, what do you, how, how do you guys go about raising? Cause I know you told me the, the, the expenses can get up into the six figures. So that's, that's pretty, it's pretty yeah. incredible that you're able to then do all that. Yeah. So like I said, being part of the U.S. sailing team has its benefits because you'll, you'll be able to go to these fundraisers and um, usually at yacht clubs and they'll most likely do auctions. And then the money raised for, from the auctions will be divided between the athletes and personal donations from really big sailing fans and whatever. But um, yeah, those don't come around very often and we love when it actually happens. But yeah. I mean, how many times can you go to the same yacht club, right? Like it's how many people are go there. You can, you can throw on a dinner and, and put up a slideshow, but I mean, they, they will, uh, you know, not everybody is made of money, I guess. And that's just a little mm -hmm. disappointing. So, um, and then I guess, so, so you're talking about a GoFundMe. I'm assuming you guys have another one for 2020 as well. Where can people go find that? Um, we're still working on that right now. Um, Helen and I did a little video and we put up a little video together. And so it's just best when Ann and I are together to get that going and so, um, but we do have a sailing, it's called sailing of foundation, sailing of New York, sorry, sailing foundation of New York account. And you can go and personally donate money to our account. If you guys are interested in doing that, um, there is a mailing address that I don't have right now, but I can, I can obviously, we'll get it. Don't worry. I believe in us. Um, get that for you guys. And you can just, um, donate to our account personally and, that obviously goes a long way, but getting the word out is the hardest part. A hundred percent. And Hey, if there's anything I can do, hopefully this is just a little way to do yeah. that. So, um, so you were telling us, uh, so, so thank you for that. I appreciate it getting a little intimate and getting really honest with us. I mean, obviously this is pretty difficult. Um, and you know, hopefully that that's not going to hold you back and you're going to be able to spend most of your time, um, doing your job as in, you know, sailing and not yeah. to worry too much about campaigns and, and, and worry too much about that. So, you know, I'm crossing my fingers for you. I'm sure everyone else listening is crossing their fingers as well. And I'm sure any dollar amount would, would be extremely helpful. So anything that people can donate a hundred percent, um, you know, hopefully they can. So, um, I guess to, to switch gears a little bit and not really, I mean, Hey, you need the money to get to the 2020 games. So, um, <laughs> how excited are you for that? What, um, what are some of the prospects? How many, when are the, when are the, some of the qualifying races coming up and, uh, you know, when, you're not going to have to wait until February again to find out if you're going or is that kind of that expected at this point? Um, uh, so there are a couple other American teams and the first country qualifier was a couple weeks ago. But like I said, we couldn't go to that event, which was in Denmark because Anna had CrossFit games. So she, she was occupied with that. And so uh, there were two other American teams teams that went and unfortunately we did not qualify the country but like I said there's other chances to try and do that um, I'm not sure which events those are um, but um, we're just basically now training full-time to try and peak at those events whenever they get decided and along with the Olympic trials I don't think they've decided which events will be our Olympic trials yet but somewhere in 2019 also, there's the Pan American Games, which are in 2019 in Peru. So there's also qualifiers for that, which will probably be at the end of this year or the beginning of 2019 in January. So 
that's also something to look forward to. Um, but there are there is another very competitive American team, um, Maggie and Steph, and they've been training a lot and doing awesome. And um, so basically, we have some competition, but that's it's great friendly competition. Competition breeds excellence. I'm sure you're friends with them anyway. So if they they go, I mean, is there an opportunity for multiple teams from the same country to make the games? No, the, there's only one country or one team per country. Really? Oh, that throws a little bit extra extra heat on the fire, huh? Well, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, luckily they're your friends, so worst comes to worst. But um, now we're rooting for you, um, Paris. We really appreciate it. Um, I mean, that's about it for me today. Um, again, you know, hopefully people are able to donate. Once you get that GoFundMe, please let me know. Um, we'll be able to figure out. I can do anything that I can to try and spread the word a little bit. Um, yeah. and other than that, Paris, thank you so much. We have Paris Hankin, right? Hankin? Yeah. Nice. Got it. Um, She's of the USA Sailing. She was one of um, the inaugural uh, competitors for the 49er FX for the females. So thank you, Paris, so much. We sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much again for listening to another episode of Our Athletes. Um, I appreciate it. The athletes appreciate it. Everyone involved really thanks you for listening and, and, and really hearing what these athletes have to do on a daily basis to represent our country and compete for our country, which I think is incredible. I don't think they get enough recognition or credit. And again, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Make sure to follow the athlete across all their socials. Everything will be in the show notes, as well as if you just search their name, I'm sure you'll find what you're looking for. Follow us as well at ourathletes.us on Instagram to find out a little bit more about what episodes are coming up and maybe little snippets along the way and kind of some other things that we're doing uh, out here at our athletes as well. A lot of O's there, huh? Um, if you have any questions for me, michael at ourathletes.us is my email. Please shoot me whatever you'd like. I'm answering everything that comes through so far, so I, I sincerely appreciate those. And also make sure to rate, review, share, subscribe, everything on iTunes, Google, Spotify, whatever. Just let people, more people know about it because the more um, information that we can drum up, the more opportunity people have to hear about what our Olympic athletes and hopefuls are going through on a daily basis, again, to represent us in some of these events. So sincerely appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day.